0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Go ahead and take a seat, if you will, and get your Bibles with me. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. I want to welcome you to our later service today. And uh, Pastor Randy's saying this uh, is a historic day. I thought he was talking about the Rangers when he first started talking about that, because I'm telling you, today's our day, right? Today's our day, all right. I, I'm excited about you being here in church this morning, and uh, we are continuing in a series that we started last week—a uh, series called "Effective Parenting in a Defective World." and And last week, what we did was we looked in the Word of God, and we found in the Book of Deuteronomy where Moses gives this incredible, just this incredible talk about, and he's talking to parents about about putting God as the first priority in our lives. What we learned last week, and this is such a powerful truth, is the most important thing that you can do for your kids, and we know bringing our kids to be a part of a church and all of that, that is great. Those are important things. But the most important thing that you can do for your kids that we find in the scripture is this, is that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. That by you carrying on a love relationship with God, that is the most important thing that you can do in being a parent for your, for your own children. And putting God as a priority in our life and not being too busy for a personal relationship with God. And we're not talking about being religious. We're not talking about raising your kids to be religious. What we're talking about is you having a relationship with God a relationship with Jesus where they see that that is a real thing in your life that has ups and it has downs and, and they see that as something that's authentic in your life and, 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 and that it's our responsibility. We brought this up last week. It's our responsibility as parents not as the church, but our responsibility as parents to train our kids up in the principles and things of God. That that's not necessarily the church's responsibility. The church's responsibility and and, and Dustin and and, and Kyle and and myself and Pastor Randy and others who serve in the areas of ministry, our job is to come alongside you and reinforce the things that are already being impressed upon your family through your relationship with Christ. And, And so We're going to continue just kind of talking about certain things that are a priority as a parent this morning. Some things that are some timeless truths that we're going to find in the scripture. And if you have your Bibles, go again with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Now as you're turning there, uh, some of you have heard of this guy. Have you ever heard of James Dobson? Anybody heard of James Dobson? He's a famous, famous guy. I don't know how, uh, if you ever listen to Christian radio, you wouldn't have heard of him. But he's also a famous author and he wrote a book called Parenting Isn't... For cowards. Thought, what a great title of a book. How many of you would agree with the title? It is not for cowards. Parenting is one of the toughest things, and we brought this up last week. It's one of the toughest things that you can do. Nothing compares to this. No job, there's not a career that compares to it. There is nothing even in the same category. And and it's not by accident that when you begin the process of parenting that it's called labor. Okay? That's not by accident in any way whatsoever. The trouble with parenting is this. It seems like just when you finally get a good grip on what you're doing and how you're supposed to do this and and how you're supposed to raise this other human being. Once you finally get a good grip, what happens? They're grown and they're gone, right? And so it's kind of interesting how it works like this. Now today, what we're going to look at is we live in a culture that, that things are always changing all the time. There are all kinds of different philosophies that come and they go. What we're going to find is we're going to find some truth in God's word this morning and in, in, in just some principles that never change. And we're looking specifically in the area of parenting this morning, but I think you'll also find that these are principles that are also important in other important relationships that are in your life. So if you're not a parent this morning, don't check out this morning on me. There are definitely things that you can take and apply from God's Word this morning and see how important these things are that we're going to talk about. It's interesting how things change, right? It's interesting how the world in which we're raising our kids has changed from whenever we were kids, and we talked about that last week. It's interesting how our philosophies about raising kids kind of change as maybe we gain a little more experience. Um, I've been a dad now for 14 years. I have a 14-year-old son and I have an 8-year-old daughter. And so I have a little more experience now. I have a teenager now, so we're kind of going through that different time. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and so we're, we're just kind of learning new things. Before Hope and I uh, got married and we talked about getting married and we talked about the way we thought about raising kids, it was interesting because I had all of these different thoughts and philosophies about hey this is how you do it. This is how you raise your kids. This is what you do. And then what happens? You have kids, right? And you find out that a lot of your thoughts and your ideas maybe don't work and so you've got to adjust and be able to adapt to certain to adapt to certain things and it's even interesting interesting in how our perspective in, in dealing with the first baby and then the second baby, how different we treat those children. Um, for instance, whenever I think back on when Luke was first born, when Luke was first born and, and he was, you know, kind of growing a little bit there, he would have his little pacifier in his mouth and he'd be kind of going to town on that thing and And then for whatever reason, he'd spit it out on the floor. And uh, and he really loves me talking about that this morning, okay? But he'd spit it out on the floor. And then what would we do as first-time parents? Oh, my goodness, the pacifier is on the floor. Go boil water. We've got to put this thing in the boiling water. And we would do all of this stuff to kind of get everything just sanitized and get everything perfect again. And, uh, you know, everything had to be just right. We were so uptight as first-time parents there, and and we were kind of going through that. And and it's interesting, when Trinity came along five years later, um, I don't know if it was laziness or just— just maybe kind of realizing that, that things were a little bit different, hers would fall on the ground and we would just be like, oh, just take it over the sink and run it under some warm water, okay? And we would do that. And, and, and so we kind of got a little more relaxed. It wasn't quite, you know, as we didn't have to boil it every time that it touched something, you know. We might pick the dog hair off and still pluck it back in her mouth. Whatever, Just things kind of change a little bit as you... I've wondered if we had a third child, which there are no plans in the works there. But if we had a third child, would we just let the dog lick it and put it back in their mouth? I don't know. But it's, it's funny how, how things change with our kids as they're growing. And, and uh, we kind of relax a little bit. But the point is, is certain things change, Right. Things change. You're probably adapting and evolving in your parenting as you're as you're growing. Some of you are going through different seasons. Some of you have grown children now, and so you're having to learn to do things differently. Some of you have newborns, and you're you're learning things, you know, and kind of evolving there. and And uh, and sometimes things change for the good. Sometimes. Now what we're going to do today is we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had with some children. We're going to look at this encounter this morning and and we're going to see and we're going to draw some truths out of this that we see that there are some unchanging principles that go with certain relationships all right. And again, we're looking at the parenting aspect of this, but but you can this translates across the board in different ways. And and uh, so look with me in Mark chapter 10, and we're gonna just read verses 13 through 16. And I do want to give you some context because I realize that there is a, a context issue here that I do want to address. And and Jesus is talking to a group of people about the kind of faith that saves and he's he's trying to demonstrate what f- saving faith looks like and he's he's trying to t- he, and he uses e- examples and illustrations of a childlike faith and so so we could even just take this at this moment and some of you are thinking as as I was saying a few moments ago that hey the best thing that you can do it for your kids is to have a loving relationship with God that's the number one thing number one priority in your life to carry that on some of you that kind of wigs you out and you're thinking i've got to become all uh, you know all religious and i've got to do all these things first and and what we can take one thing we can take from this passage in the main context of it is this It's no you come to the lord with a childlike kind of faith and we're going to read where jesus says this you come to him in a childlike kind of belief in who he is as the one who can give you eternal life and so I hope that maybe you'll kind of see that in this passage. But, but there are other wonderful things that, that I find as I read this passage, and I notice certain words that, that stick out that, that I want to point out to you this morning and some principles that I think that we can draw from in, in our relationships, things that are important, okay? So let's read the passage together. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. Here's what the Word of God says. It says that people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him do what? Say with me, church. To have him do what? Touch them. Okay? Now that wigs some of us out a little bit, but let's keep reading. We're going to talk about what this means and, and what was going on here. They were bringing people to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples, what did they do? They rebuked the people. Uh, they, they got upset with the people for doing this, and we'll talk more about this in just a second, and, and Jesus' response. Look at this, it says, when Jesus saw this was going on, in other words, he observed what was happening, and saw that his own disciples who he was trying to train up and disciple them into being great men of God, that were going to take the gospel message of Jesus to everyone all over the world, when he saw this, that people were bringing the children to him, and they were wanting Jesus to have interaction with these children. It says this, when he saw they were preventing this, it says he was indignant. He was indignant about this. He wasn't happy about this. He goes on, he says, he said to them, he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In verse 15, he says, I tell you the truth, Then anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In other words, this childlike kind of faith. There's no question that this is a great passage that deals with the kind of faith that saves. No question about the context of this. But there's some other interesting truths. Verse 16, he says, and so in demonstrating this, he says, And he took the children in his arms... He put his hands on them, and what did he do, church? He, he blessed them. So he took the kids in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. In this, this one story of Jesus encountering these parents and these children, I think we find some principles of some things that I, I believe that every child needs. These are unchanging truths. Again, our philosophies about certain things may be different with child, you know, different child. We we are different in the way that we uh, deal with Luke than we are in the way that we deal with Trinity because they're they're different. They are different personalities. We'll even address some of that this morning as we look at, at some of these things that I think that we can find also in this passage of Scripture. There are some things, though, that never change, and I hope that some of you, what you're going to find today is that you're going to be affirmed today by the things that you're already doing. You're going to realize that, you know what, I'm doing this. And so I hope that that by hearing that, that you are encouraged to do that even more in the life of your child. You're going to be encouraged. Now, there will be another group of us who are here this morning that because we live in a defective world, because we live in a world that it's easy to get distracted, as we talked about last week, you're going to find that maybe your priorities have have been messed up just a little bit and maybe you found that other things have become more important and that your priorities are out of order and, and what God is going to do in his gracious and loving and kind way is he's going to bring a loving conviction and confrontation to you as a mom and dad that is not a bad thing. It is a good thing to have a loving Savior who graciously comes to us and says, you need to grow in this area. You need to grow as, as I've entrusted these children to you and the way that you parent them and the way that you love on them. So you're gonna find there are different groups of people here this morning that you're gonna be challenged in different ways. Well, if you're taking notes, the first thing that I want you to, to write down is what we're gonna find that I believe every child needs and that every parent should be doing is, and every child needs this. Number one, write this down. They need loving touch. They need loving touch and, and we'll find this uh, in the In the passage in verse thirteen, the loving and appropriate touch that what this does it communicates a rich sense of an unconditional kind of love, and here 's what it communicates an acceptance okay, and we'll find in the passage it says that people were bringing the little children to Jesus to have him do what have him touch them now why were they bringing Jesus to have him touch them? I believe this, I think because there's so much power. In human contact, there's so much power in a loving and appropriate kind of touch. The Jewish culture understood the power of touch. If you were to read just all different passages all over the Bible, you would find encounters between parents, you'd find encounters between uh, dads that would bless their children, and there would be touch that would be involved in this. If you were to look, you would find that there was power in touch and this culture greatly understood this now this if we you look at this incident th- does this mean that they they were lined up before Jesus so you know because it was one of these be healed lines or one of this you know is that what was going on here and and I, and i and i don't necessarily think that that's what was going on was this religious type thing. And now there could be to some degree because again, he begins to bless them and he speaks this this stuff over them. But if you look back in the verse, you'll find that there's a clue in in one of the words in the original language. It's a word that's translated for touch. It's this word and here's what it, it literally means this. It means to attach oneself. It means to embrace it means to, as we just read, to touch, an appropriate kind of touch. So when Jesus had this encounter with these kids, we don't absolutely know what was going on at this point, but it's very possible that he may have been in a very relaxed kind of environment. And, and, and what we see here is people were undoubtedly attracted to Jesus there was something about him that, that was drawing them to him. He, there was something about his countenance that made children even feel comfortable in his presence, where they would want to come to him. And these parents were bringing their children to Jesus. And by the way, I think there's a great lesson in and of that. That, that, uh, and, and we've talked about this, that we kind of live in a society today that, that oftentimes is kind of, uh, in many families, that, that it's more of a kid-centered kind of family, and the kids kind of dictate what's going to be happening and certain things, but, but what we find is parents were bringing their kids to Jesus. And this is what you've been entrusted to do and what I've been entrusted to do. And so I I think that there was something that was so inviting about Jesus. He certainly, I don't think... For a child to want to be in his presence like this certainly must not have had this emaciated type look or face that we find in so many of the images that we see of Jesus that people have portrayed. And we know this. The scripture says that, yes, he was a great man of sorrows. And we know that there were disappointments that he dealt with. But I I believe Jesus had a countenance about him that was inviting, that was attractive, that people wanted to be around him. And so they would run to him and they would come to him and he would, he would put his hands on them and he would hug them and touch them in an affectionate and appropriate kind of way. I kind of think about this whenever maybe I run into some of you out in the community and by no means am I equating myself with Jesus. But think about this whenever maybe you were a kid... And for the first time outside of your classroom at school, you saw your teacher in an environment that was not in the classroom. Do you remember that? Where maybe you'd go to the grocery store and you'd be like, that's my teacher. That's wh-. And it'd be like, whoa, they exist outside of school. What are you doing here at the grocery store? Duh, they're getting groceries, okay? But it's just weird to kind of see that. Well, that happens to me all the time, okay, um, where people are like, Pastor Bart, the ones that aren't dodging me, okay, in the grocery stores, but uh, where they'll be like, Pastor Bart, and and their kids sometimes, some of their kids will do that, where they're like, Pastor Bart, and they come, and they kind of run to me, and I give them a little side hug or whatever, and, and they're oftentimes like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm getting groceries, you know, like everyone else does. They don't just magically appear in our home. I know sometimes people think that might happen, but it doesn't happen. But we had this one little girl that was in our church, and she's older now. But this one little girl in our church, where, and I, I ran into them all over the place. It was hilarious. Well, we'd run into, And she was not afraid of me in any way because some of your kids are afraid of the big bald guy with the goatee. I will acknowledge that um, because sometimes when I'm trying to say goodbye to them, I see them shying away from the scary-looking man, okay? But some of them are not, and this little girl was not. She was not afraid in any kind of way of me. Um, Her name was Hannah, and Hannah would run up to me, Pastor Bart, and she'd hug me on the leg, and I'd be like, hey, Hannah. And I, I know her parents put her up to this, but she started calling me Brother Butter. I don't know why she would she would scream out in Albertson's, Brother Butter! And I'd be like, oh my word. You know, I know her parents put her up to that. And, uh, and that hurt. It hurt deeply, okay? But, uh, but anyhow, but she would just come and I'd give her a little hug and, and uh, just this great, I, I was, it made me feel good because I thought like, because I know some of the kids are scared of me. But I was like, you know what, that's great, I feel like maybe I'm, I'm approachable in some way, you know, she felt okay about that. Now, some of your kids, again, are kind of scared of me, and so I try my best to look inviting and not mean and scary-like, you know, and uh, and so for them, though, I don't want to freak them out with a hug, hey, how are you doing, you know, or anything like that, so I'll give them a high five for some of them. If I can get nucks out of them, I feel good, you know, the little nucks, and uh, but but just just some kind of way, there's something that's I think is important about human touch in an appropriate way. Human touch and, and contact is so important. I, I, I was even reading about this, and I've told this story before, but I, I wanted to check this out to be sure that this was accurate, and I read even further about this this week, and I heard about this unusual king, King Frederick the Second, where this guy was really just a, a curious, kind of a, a nutcase a little bit if you read a little bit about him, very curious, and and he, and he had a lot of uh, performed a lot of science experiments on, on people and all of these different kinds of, of experiments. And one experiment that he, that he uh, sanctioned was this issue of the importance of touch in language. He was curious to know what language a child would speak if that child was never spoken to. Would they have the language of Adam and Eve is what he wanted to know. Okay? Was, was there this certain language that they would speak? And so he, he, um, he got all of these different babies that were born as, as this king, and, and he had them secluded. And uh, from their parents, and I guess because you're the king, you could do what you wanted to do back then. But he did, and uh, he went through this. He wanted to find out what language the child would speak. So he had numerous babies that were brought to this laboratory of experiment. And he had some ladies who were sanctioned to take care of them. And, and, but they were never permitted to speak to them. They were never permitted to uh, in any way provide any kind of loving contact. They, were, they could feed them, they could bathe them, but they were, they were not to talk to them in any way whatsoever. And, and if you continue, you kind of look this up and you check this out, what you find out is is that this, this experiment tragically just, I mean, it was a horrible thing that happened. These children, many of them died. There was no, no physical touch um in a loving kind of way. They were they were underdeveloped in all kinds of ways. They they were not spoken to ever. I mean it's a cruel thing when you read about this. Uh, the world has recently been exposed to yet another example of emotionally neglected children. Mary Carlson, who's a researcher from Harvard Medical School, she observed this when she was observing in a a Romanian orphanage that was greatly overcrowded. This is very recent, where there were row upon rows of babies that lay neglected in their cribs in this orphanage. And uh, they were rarely ever touched, even at mealtime, because the staff was so greatly overworked and understaffed. And and what she said about her report on this, what struck her so, that, that, that was so just an amazing thing for her to observe was this, is the great silence that was in the nursery. She said there was not a lot of Crying. There was, there was not, uh, not even a whimper or the little cooing or babbling of, of babies that you would hear. And, and then she said upon physical examination that was given at age two, what she found was that these babies had an unusually high amount of the stress hormo- hormone in the blood, the cortisol hormone, uh, which was known because of these high amounts to damage the baby's brain. Their growth was often stunted. Many of them were half of the size that they should be. And they, oftentimes, they would be emotionally stunted as well. And and we say, why? What's the difference in going on? I believe this is that they did not have that human touch, that, that, that appropriate touch in their life that is so important. It's so obvious that this is important. That there's physical contact. Now, for some of us, even talking about this, it kind of wigs us out because some of us are not huggy-touchy kind of people, right? Now, let me ask you this. How many of you out there, you would say that you're... Some of you, though, you're just naturally expressive with touch, okay? Okay. I know, trust me, okay, because it happens to me all the time. And uh, some of you are very expressive, some of you are very huggy people, you're okay with touch and all that. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hands up this morning and say, that's me, Pastor Barn. I'm cool with hugging, we're good, okay, all right, now I'm just putting my hand up to kind of help you get your hand up because I'm not okay with it, all right, I struggle with it. Now, how many of you would say, um, Pastor Barn, I'm a little more kind of like maybe what you are to where I'm... Um, I I mean, I'll kind of grit my teeth through a hug or whatever, or I'm just not as expressive like that. I'm not a real touchy kind of person. How many of you would say, that's more me? Would you just raise your hands this morning, okay? Not as many, but my brethren and sisterin, Is that what you say, sisterin, Out there, okay? Raising raising hands together. Some of you, you won't even raise your hands right now because you're afraid someone's going to touch you if you raise your hand. And you need help, okay? You need you need some help. I can't help you this morning, though. But um, well, I'm kind of in the middle. When we first started this church, I was way on this other end, though. of Of really, it freak would freak me out when some of you really huggy people would come and hug me. I'm just being honest, okay? I I, I it really I struggled with it. And now, I mean, my parents, and, and I mean, I'll hug my family and stuff like this, but anyone outside of my family, it, it just kind of wigged me out just a little bit. And now, as and 11 years now, as a pastor of this church, uh, kind of getting better at this and feeling a little more okay about some of this, but I've always been more of a firm handshake kind of guy, look you in the eye. For me, that's a holy moment when that happens. Anything else for the longest time? was questionable for me okay I'm like okay that's it's a little touchy there okay and uh, but but we've got some seriously huggy touchy folks within our congregation and and uh, from us who are not so touchy um, we're just being honest some of you freak us out a little bit okay you do um, i I do have my own touch rules okay that I've kind of tried to play by as a pastor here in my mind a hug is a one arm hug right? Not a frontal kind of thing. One arm kind of deal with one, two, three. Three pats. That's what you get. And then you make the clean break, and you walk away, and nobody's hurt, right? Okay? Now, some of you have told me you know what the three pats means, which is I'm not gay. Okay? And that's, that's not what it means, but I know some of you, you think that about me, okay? But, but seriously, okay? One, two, three. <laughs> okay? Don't say that. And... Uh, but anyhow, um, but you walk away, right? Now, some of you are a little more than that, and uh, you're, you're kind of a double arm hugger person or whatever, but but the rule is is one arm hug, three pats, make a clean break, walk away, nobody gets hurt. It's not hard, unless you're playing sports. Have you noticed that the rule of touch for men changes in the sports world? It's a different thing. When you watch the Ranger game today, or the Cowboy game, or whatever it is it's so interesting I was watching the ranger game yesterday and it, it's, it's these, these things of touch that would in any other realm be so inappropriate like when a guy on your team and I'm just, I am was on teams made a great play what do we do men we're like way to go and we okay and we pat him on the rear end flat hand only no cup <laughs> cup and you will answer to God. Okay? I'm just letting you know that besides the rest of the men on your team, you will answer to. But I thought, have you, what if, what if these things that happen in sports happen in other areas of life, like uh, in the business world? You know, a guy makes a great presentation. You're saying it does happen. Well, not like that, okay? Um, not, not sexual harassment. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but in the business world, a guy makes a great presentation. Man, that was a great presentation. Can you imagine that? Or what if, uh, what if our greeters at EVC were like that, all right, okay? <laughs> what if it was like, welcome to Eagles View Church, you know? Um, now, don't ever do that if you're a greeter, all right? Don't ever do that. But, okay, I know I'm messed up, okay? I know I need help. I just was thinking about some of these things. But um, here, here's, uh, here's what I was uh, really thinking about in all this. Again, I'm not a real touchy kind of guy, and some of you are, and you, a lot of you, you do really well with this. You do great with this, and, and as far as being affectionate with your kids and, and, and hugging them and all this stuff. Now, I will, I will tell you this. Even as a guy who is not a huggy kind of person, um, and the Lord has helped me with this, I love to hug my kids, all right? Even the big... Harry, 14 year old one okay I love to hug him too and he's like dad you're killing me today but I do I I am I'm okay with with that I love to do that I love to uh to hold them and and then I uh you know and kiss Trinity and and I would say kiss Luke uh, you know I I will but against his will often and uh but the thing the thing is is, is that what I'm what I'm trying and I'm trying to be more affectionate like that. I'm trying to be okay and, and learn more lessons about this. I'm loosening up and some of you you may even get four pats on the on the back there or whatever. All that said is this, is for those of you that don't struggle with this, great, but some of you who you do, all that to say is this, is that we really have no excuse. We don't have an excuse. You say, well, I'm just not naturally affectionate with my kids. My parents weren't, they weren't that way with me, okay? Well, that's probably one of the reasons why you're not able to be this way with your kids. But I'm going to tell you something. It is important for your kids. And you can learn it. I'm learning it. And my my parents were pretty affectionate with me or whatever, but I don't know. It's just, we're all made up differently. You can learn this with God's help. And it's important that your kids have appropriate contact from mom and dad. It's an important thing. There are all kinds of passages in the Gospels where we find that touch was a part of an encounter with Jesus. It's interesting whenever I started looking at this. Jesus was in a town where evidently people needed a touch from him. This is also in Mark, but you can turn back if you want or look up on the screen. But it says in chapter 6, verse 56... It says, and wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces there. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who who touched him were healed. There were a lot of instances where Jesus would, would give someone a touch and they would be healed. Well, think about who he is. He's the Son of God. He's able to perform any miracle in any way. He didn't have to touch anybody. He could just say, you're healed, and, and sometimes he did this, but, but there are all kinds of instances where we find where Jesus put his hands on people, where he made physical contact with people. If you were to do a word study on this word touch, you'd find the word touch or touched in the Gospels over 20 times, and they're all in regard to Jesus here, and every single time the word touched appears, it's in reference to Christ, and you know what's always involved in this is healing and blessing. Healing and blessing. I just think that's really interesting. Why is that? Because there's power in loving an appropriate touch. There's power in this. I'm a thirty-nine-year-old man, soon to be forty. And when I, I finish speaking, I've got all kinds of things running through my mind. And there are many times, and there used to be a time where we would take up the offering at the end of the service. And and there'd be times where I would finish and I would come down and I would sit down right over here in this chair. And my parents are in this church. I get the privilege of getting to be their pastor, and and also as well as their son. And it can be weird sometimes, but we work through it. And uh, but but even as nearly a 40 year old man, and I got all these things racing through my mind. Things going like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said this, or I wish I would have said this. I never should have brought up the thing about the greeters, okay? Or this, or uh, you know, or I'm not gay, or well, you know, all these things going through my mind. Oh, I stunk today, or I could have done better. And I'll sit over there, and there have been so many times where my dad would walk up the side aisle here. He'd get ready to take up the offering. And, no, and not knowing what was going on in my mind, though, whenever we would pray for the offering, my dad would put his hand on my shoulder. And I'm telling you, as a grown man, it's like it didn't matter what all was going on through my mind. It's like just all that stuff kind of went away. And I felt affirmed. I felt like you know what? <laughs> Someone gets mad at me, or they send me. Any, hey, my my dad is cool with me. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? It, it, and I'm talking about a non-touchy kind of guy. There was something about his touch that was important to me. My mother is a hugger, and she and so. Uh, uh, but but there was just something that. It was as if it it spoke volumes. And my dad's not a man of many words, but that spoke a lot to me. It was like he was saying, good job. Communicates. It's powerful. Just just real quick, these statistics about affection through touch between parents and children, real quick, girls during their preteen years, their need for loving and appropriate touch increases. It increases. But we as dads we often kind of get wigged out because their little bodies are changing and they're becoming more uh, woman-like, and but their need increases. But our level of comfort in this area decreases, not because we don't love them, but because we're a little bit uncomfortable. Because I want you to think about this, when we even bring up the word touch or we talk about it in this light, because we live in a defective world, it's been perverted and it's been corrupted. And so some of us shy away from this, from the appropriate touch dads listen to me, it's during that time that their need increases that we must be fully engaged in loving, appropriate touch and affection. It's the most important thing I think as as dads that we can do to deter sexual sin in our young daughters. Because as they learn to be touched appropriately by a a godly man that loves them in this sense, then then the, the first time someone tries to touch them in an inappropriate way they'll they'll know they'll know the difference there. they'll know to say no to an ungodly person this this stat also showed this that girls were often touched in a loving appropriate way five times more than little boys and yet boys need it equally <laughs> they need it just as much so a lot of times when the little boy is 2 and 3 and he and he may be a little stinker but he sure is a cute little stinker isn't he and he's easy to to hug and to kiss and to and to, and to you know to hold him and all this kind of stuff and they have no problem with it at this time but as they start getting a little bit older and for us when Luke got about 7 or 8 he's like it's all right with a little hug dad and mom at home but when we get to church uh uh-uh, uh you know because they start realizing that other people are watching and noticing and so he he would get a little bit embarrassed about this and I'd force the little side hug you know and but 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 so you, you have to kind of evolve. The the touch is still appropriate and are, are still needed, but you have to evolve in certain ways. And so Luke and I we developed secret handshake, you know, that was the touch there. And we do the certain knucks and the blow up and all this stuff and and, and uh and he'll get pats on the on the back and if he's in sports he'll get that, you know, but not cupped. But he'll get that back. And and uh and and I know when Luke always needs that appropriate touch is because it's like this hey dad you want to wrestle okay and that's when I know that that's that's his language of touch is when we have a throwdown, and that's what we do and we rumble through the house and and I'm body slamming him and now he's bigger and he's hurting me now and but and and I take my gruff face and I rub it on his and that's that's touch too though and that's, that's, that's translating for that older child that he still needs that. In fact, I know when he needs it because we'll be sitting on the couch watching the Rangers or watching the Cowboys or something like this. And he's on one little side here and I'm on the other side. And I know whenever he's needing this because here's what he does to me. <clears throat> and I'm like... Oh, it is on. And it's on, and we rumble. And I'm body slamming him, and Trinity comes in, and she thinks she wants in on this because it looks like so much fun. And so she's like, Daddy, body slam me! And I'm like, okay. And I get her, and she starts crying, and then she tells me she's going to tell on me to Mommy. And she runs off. Trinity is different, though. She is not so much the rough, you know, tumble boy-like. She's little girl-like. And she, I, I know when she needs touch because she comes up to me and she's like, tickle me. And I'm like, who wants to be tickled? That's like miserable. But she's like, tickle me. She did this like five times yesterday. I was like, okay, loving touch. Here we go. <laughs> you know, and I, and I just, until she can't breathe. And you know, she's like, I can't breathe, you know, and I'm like, you asked for it, all right, and, uh, but she'll sit in my lap, and she'll put her hands on my face, and she'll kiss me, and she'll ask questions like, Daddy, why are you bald, and why do you have a mole, and just all kinds of things, it's just, it's different, totally different, but still engaged, all right, here's the thing, loving touch, it's important, see all these instances of Jesus uh, of of touch being involved, this human contact this touch, here's another thing to write down if you're taking notes, write this down quickly another timeless thing is this, there must be abundant time abundant time we've all heard the truthful cliche, which asks the question, how do kids spell love, and we know the the, the cliche answer, T-I-M-E alright, It's cliche, but I do want you to take something from this today. It is the truth. It is true. Your kids and my kids need abundant time with their moms and with their dads. Now, last week we talked about how Moses brought up how you are to impress upon your children these truths. Remember what the truths were last week? It had to do with these principles of God's Scripture. And the, and, and let me just ask you this question. How are you ever going to do that if you're not spending abundant time with them? We're not going to have those opportunities, he says, to talk about it when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you're walking along the road, that it's conversational, these, these principles. and so. But if you're never with them, if you're never with them, you're not going to have that opportunity to do this. What that may mean for some of us is rearranging our priorities. Some of you, you're doing great in this and and the Lord is affirming you today in what you're doing, but some of us, we we need to maybe reset our priorities. We need to get our minds right in this area. Verse 13 says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Let them come to me. Don't hinder them. In other words, the disciples may have been thinking, and I may be reading into this some, but there may have been this thought mindset of this. Jesus is, is, is the Messiah, and He is too busy doing all of these other things to mess with little kids. We don't have time for children. He's busy healing grown people and changing their lives. Children are not as, as important here. Don't bother Him with this. They're not the priority they're not important to Jesus. And Jesus saw this going on, and the scripture says he was indignant, which, which if you're checking out what the heart of God is like, I want you to see that today. I want you to see how approachable he is. I want you to see that he's indignant when, when there are others who hinder others from coming to him. He, he's, he's approachable. He wants you. And this word that's translated for indignant in, in our terminology today, I mean, indignant is, is one way of saying it, but you might think of it this way. He was ticked off about this. This angered him. There was a righteous indignation that he had about them preventing these children and these parents from coming to him. He wasn't happy. He said, bring them on. That's what we're in this for, It's for People. I'm not, I mean, they're a priority. I'm not too busy for these precious kids. In fact, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to get a mindset like they have. Which is coming to him in faith. How many of you, you are NASCAR racing fans would you lift your your hands this morning lift them up okay a few of you are the lord can set you free we the lord will i'm just kidding okay i'm kidding all right i am not much of a fan of of racing i will watch it from time to time if there's not any anything that that involves a ball on okay um but but some of you are really into this but but one thing i'm fascinated about in the in in watching when there's a race going on is whenever the pit stop happens you know what i'm talking about the pit stop is going on, and everyone, you know what I'm talking about, where the car comes screaming into the pit, and the pit crew, these guys, these seven, I don't know, seven or eight guys, however many they have, I don't, I'm not sure, but these guys are amazing, and they're all working together, and they're all achieving this goal, and they're all, I mean, they, this guy comes screaming in, and a good pit stop, I think, is about anywhere from, from 12 to 15 seconds, and what do they do? They change the tires, they refuel, they clean the windows, they do an engine overhaul, they give the, the driver uh, ice cream while he waits, They do all this stuff. It's amazing. Well, what I think happens for many of us as parents, because the pace of our society is so intense, is a lot of us are doing pit stop parenting, where it's just in these little spurts, just a little pit stop parenting where, you know, where it's, it's, uh, the kids come in from school. How was your day? It was great. Did you do your homework? Great. Remember, don't eat yellow snow. Great. All these different things. Don't cave into peer pressure. Get in the car. We got to go to practice. We got to do this. And we get in the car and they're like, mom, what are you going to eat? I don't know. Eat a petrified French fry. We got to go. You'll find one under the seat. We got to get to practice and, and you know, Hey, there goes dad. Bye dad. We love you. You know, and it's, it's just, that's what our pace of our families are like so often. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating for a point because the truth is is that we often spend more than 15 seconds with our kids. But according to one article, this isn't to beat up dads, but dads, this is a challenge for many of us sometimes. Jobs, maybe the way the job is or whatever. But um, according to this article, the average dad spends about 20 minutes a day with their kids. Um, and, And that's not even meaningful time. That's just, uh, go get your bath. We got to go, it's time for bed, you know, or whatever. And and think about this with me. I mean, so something's got to go. Something, we have to cut something out in some way, make sure we're spending meaningful time with our kids because in other words, how are you ever, if you're not spending that quality time, quantity time as well, how are you ever going to impress these principles of scripture upon them as you are given the responsibility to do? if all we're doing is pit stop parenting. But man, we live in a fast paced, real world society, a defective world. Those of you who are married with kids, many of you, you, you work, uh, both of you work outside the home and it's challenging. It is, right? Those of you, there are some of you just taking it up even a notch that you are single parents and I have to say, Lord bless you, I don't know how you do what you do, you're amazing. some of the things that you're able to do when working at one job. Some of you work two jobs and you get them everywhere they need to go and doing everything by yourself. I don't know how you do it, but, but, but here's what I want to say to all of us this morning. Especially uh, those of us who have a tendency to come up with reasons and why we can't parent our kids right now, where we say things like, I don't have time this week, or I'll, maybe next week, or we'll get around to that, or not right now, or whatever. What I want us to just embrace today is we need to stop with the excuses. There is no valid excuse for not spending time with our kids, there's not a valid excuse. I mean, it's, it's so interesting um, because I know life comes in seasons. Most of you know who Billy Graham is, the greatest evangelist of, of the last hundred years, has won hundreds of thousands of people to Christ, has written many books that have helped millions of people. An anointed man of God, he was asked one time by a reporter in the twi- as he's in the twilight of his life, he said this, if you had your life to do all over again, what would you do differently? Now as a young minister I'm listening to this and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, what's he going to say? Would I do more more great evangelistic events? Would I win more people to Jesus? Would I, what, would he, what would he say? Would I write more books? You know what he said? When he was asked that question, this is what his response was. He said, I would have spent more time with my children. That's what he said. Wow, what a great example, what a great lesson for, for so many of us. We, I mean, I can't think of a more important thing to do than, than sharing Christ with a person. And here's a man who's lived it, and he's saying, I'd spend more time with my kids. I, I didn't always do so great there. It's great for us to hear these things. Sometimes we make ourselves more available to others than we do our own kids, you know? We'll help everyone else out. But when we're like, oh, I'll get to you later, you know, and we kind of, and, and and later may never come. James 4.14 says, what is, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Our life is like a vapor, which means that those 18 years or so with, with kids living at home, for some of you that's longer and you're experiencing that, but it is really shorter than we even think. You know what the scripture tells us? It says to redeem the time for the days are evil. We live in a defective world. It goes by really fast. I had a lady who was in the first service that came up to me and she gave me permission to say this to you today. Her name is Glenda Kinchelow. And Glenda's been in our church for a while. And Glenda came up to me and, and, and whenever I do a, a talk on parents or parenting, she, she always reminds me of this. And she said, Pastor Bart, great things to say today. Her son, when he was 19, was killed in a motorcycle uh, accident. And, uh, And I did the funeral for her. And she said, she came to me. She said, just remind parents today that not only are their lives really short and then they're up and they're gone and they're on their own, but she said, sometimes life is just unexpected things happen. And she said, I can tell you today, Pastor Bart, she said, I can say and could say before my church family that I look back on my time with Nathan and I have no regrets because I spent so much time with him. And I thought, what a great thing to hear from someone who's been through something like that. I encourage you in that way today. Make the most of the time. Make the most of the opportunity. Although we live in a chaotic world, a defective world, that's effective parenting is abundant time. Here's the final thing to write down. This is really important. Is This is what every person needs But specifically, when we're talking about kids today, they need encouraging talk from you. They're parents. They need to hear good things spoken over them. Look at what Jesus said to these kids in verse 16. He says he took the the children in his arms. There's appropriate affection there and touch. He put his hands on them. And then it tells us this, he blessed them. It doesn't specifically say what he said. And I read that and I wonder, what did he say? What must what must he have spoken over these kids that they what they heard? I mean, it must have been such an an incredible uplifting, powerful thing that he that he spoke over them. It, it probably wasn't. Hey, stop that! Stop that right now! You get down from there. Or, or you know, one, two, two and a half. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't. It, you know, he he blessed them. It says he blessed them. He spoke blessings over these kids over these parents. I really believe this, that there is power, so much power, life and death power by the things that we say to people. So much. I think back in my own life and the things that somebody may have said that was a hurtful thing and I still carry that with me sometimes and I have to continually deal with that but then I also think of the things that were spoken wonderfully over me and then I, that is some of the stuff that I think thank God that there were some people like that in my life so our words can be so powerful they can be devastating though as well some of you the trajectory of your life was set by some of the things that were spoken over you Some of you would say it was a great path that it sent you on. And some of you would say, even still today, man, I'm dealing with some hurtful things that were said to me when I was a kid. And I want you to think about that today. I want you to think about the words that you say. And I'm not saying that we should not discipline our children again. That's coming here in a week or so. uh, And and, and what godly discipline is. And, And I'm not saying we should not correct them because that is a big part of love. Is the correction that comes? That's how the Lord loves us. But but there's so much power in the things that we say. Uh, There are times I've looked at my parenting and I could say I have been focused more on catching my kids and doing things that are wrong than noticing all the things that they're doing right. Am I am I talking to the right people out there? Okay, where I've done that and I've been like, stop that! What are you? I can't believe you're talking. You know, and and um. I've really asked the Lord to help me with this, to help guard my mouth, guard my heart, to help me have eyes to see when they do right and to speak it over them and to encourage them. Recent example. um, Our kids, like probably any other kids that are siblings, can get kind of hateful with each other, okay? And we noticed this was going on and they were being a little hateful with one another, just like I did with my sister, and I mean, we all have been guilty of this, right? Okay, so I I hate to even bring it up because I don't want to embarrass Luke, but we've all done it, right? Okay, and this was going on. It was in our family, and Hope and I were noticing it, and we were getting more and more bothered by it, and so we, as much as we could, had a loving confrontation with them, both of them, about the way that they were talking to each other, and, and and I talked to Luke about it and said, you know, this has got to change. You wouldn't talk to other people this way. You know, your sister is your sister. She's your blood. You're always. She's always going to be an important person in your life. You need to change the way you're talking. And Luke, being the great kid that he is, he took that to heart. And then I noticed within a day or so, Trinity did something, and, and he said something to her, spoke something kind to her. We were like, oh, my gosh. And... I mean, it, it's working, and he did something nice. And I remember, I, I was like, "Okay, self, here's your here's your chance, here's your chance, put it into practice." And I, 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 when Luke and I were kind of by ourselves, I said, "Thank you, you did a great job in what you said to your sister there. I was so proud of you, Luke, for the way that you handled that and the way that you spoke nice to her. And you did. I'm proud of you." And I could kind of see him going, walking off, you know, and doing his little thing. And I, I just, I, you know, and so just the things we say. There's this incident in the scripture, one place where we we see the audible vo- or we hear or read about the audible voice of God speaking to Jesus, the Son. And there could have been more places where maybe that happened, but we find it specifically here, where it's recorded in Scripture, where. Jesus is beginning the ministries, following through with his mission. And, and I just think this is a powerful example of speaking publicly, positively over our kids. Look at what happens. He comes up out of the water. He's baptized by John the Baptist. In verse 17, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. I thought wow what a great example from a father right it's like God saying that's my boy and I'm proud of him I'm pleased I love him and it was spoken over him I was uh for some reason I came across, my, my mom is a great writer of things and writes a lot of stuff and I keep all the things that my mom has written to me and it's she's just written things that at certain times has just been the right thing I needed to hear. And, um, but there was one occasion recently where we were just recently moving and I came across one of my old yearbooks and whenever I decided to flip through my Boswell yearbook there, there was a letter that I had left in there as a teenager, and it was a letter from my dad, and and I opened that thing up, and here I am, nearly 40 years old, and and I started reading that thing, and it was all these. And my dad is not a real verbal kind of guy; he's kind of grumbles, rawr, rawr, you know, and that's that's about what you get out of him, okay. And but I got this from him, and it was just so powerful. It, I just realized how important this was: the positive affirmation. He said things about how proud he was. I'd done well in some sports and he congratulated me and he was proud of me. He's proud I was his son. He was proud of my character. Wrote all these things in there. I kept that. And I still look at it today. You get this opportunity to speak into your kids' lives. It's so important. Those of you who have little ones, I want you to get a mental picture right now. We're wrapping this up, but get this in your mind right now. This mental picture of this little one or these little ones that you have in your mind right now, and you picture yourself holding them in your arms as this little child, and then you blink. And when you open your eyes, that little baby will be walking across the living room floor or wherever wherever it is, taking their first steps. And then you blink again, and you open your eyes and when you open your eyes you'll be releasing that child on their bicycle with no training wheels and they're going down the street out of the driveway and then you blink again and the next thing you know they're driving off for the first time in their car and you will pray like you've never prayed before and then you blink again and they're on their way off to college I'll never forget the look on my mom and dad's face when they dropped me off at college and left me. And, and they said, you should have seen the look on your face. And, and I thought they'd have been going, yeah! But it was this look on their face. I'll never forget it. And then you blink again, and they're getting married. I had someone in the first service say, and then you blink again, and the next thing you know, you're a grandparent. And then the grandparent was standing next to me and said, and you blink again, next thing you know, you're a great grandparent. Point is this, it goes by really, really fast. Don't miss the opportunities that God's giving you every single day. Quit saying, I'll get around to it one day. You never will. You gotta decide right now, today, I'm gonna make the most of this opportunity that I have pour myself and the love of Christ into my kids. Effective parenting in a defective world. Let's just have a word of closing prayer if we can. As our our heads are bowed before the Lord this morning, Father, I just ask right now in your holy presence that you would, in your loving and gracious way, just minister to your people this morning, Father. With our heads bowed, I want you just to take a minute and to reflect upon what's been said today from the standpoint of all your relationships. If you've got kids, you can apply this to your life. You can apply it to how you're parenting. If you don't have kids, again, there are, there are other relationships that are important in your life that these things can really apply to. Maybe with your parents, maybe with a brother or a sister or another loved one or a spouse. But ask yourself, am I loving with an appropriate touch? Am I investing adequate quality and quantity time with them? No excuses. Am I I speaking words that are encouraging over them? Or is it always negative stuff that's coming out of my mouth? God may be speaking to some of you today about these relationships. And if these are things that are not happening and you you do not uh, do something about this, there will come a day where you won't have another opportunity like now. And you'll live with regrets. I love what Glenda said. She said, I have no regrets. I lived every moment with Nathan. No regrets. We took trips together. We spent time together. That's what she told me. If you would say, Pastor Bart, I just sense the spirit of God speaking to me today about an area of my life that I know needs to be different. Could be being more affectionate. Could be more with the things that I need to say that are are good things over my kids. Could be over another person. Could be quality time. If you'd say, Pastor Bart, the Lord has spoken to me today about this and I just want to ask you to pray with me about this. With no one else looking around, would you just raise your hands this morning? I just want to just pray with you today. God bless you. Thank you so much love our church because of its honesty and transparency. I want to pray for those of you lifting your hands today. God, I ask that every single one of us would be touched by your spirit today. And Lord, you would affirm the, the right things that these parents are doing too, that they would feel your loving affirmation. Lord, thank you for the way that you bring conviction to us too. I thank you, Lord, for pointing out areas, loving us enough to point out areas while it's still not too late so that we can make adjustments in our lives. Lord, may we be parents that pours the love of Christ into our kids. And Lord, may we also be parents that, that because we have Jesus in us, that we pour ourselves, every bit of ourselves into our kids while we still have that time. Lord, affirm those this morning that need a touch from you, God. Encourage them. Lord, there are some parents that they're filled with so much guilt and they, they have a hard time forgiving themselves. I pray right now that your grace would just manifest itself within their lives. They would feel your love and your grace. And Lord, because of your grace in our lives, that that would pour out, your grace would pour out in the way that we parent. Thank you, Lord, for being here today for speaking to us today we love you and we thank you for your word for it's in the name of jesus that we pray and all god's people said amen well thank you for coming today why don't you stand with me and i pray that you go in the grace of the lord jesus christ why don't you turn to the person next to you and say go rangers and cowboys okay and god bless you